two themes tonight, and uh, there are repetitive themes throughout the book of Proverbs. Two themes, uh, themes uh, self-control, and uh, it also deals with the discipline of children. And Pastor Matt earlier talking about family and um, did a great job. So we're going to talk a little bit, a bit even about that. So two things, self-control. Number one, on your notes, on the screen. And uh, a necessity to bring up children in wisdom and godliness. And let me say right there, uh, for those of you that have children still at home, um, you have, this is your most important job in life. Your absolutely most important job in life, if you're a believer, uh, if you're a parent, period, you're a parent, you have small children at home, your most important job in life is to bring up those children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and train them to uh, uh, go out into this world. But if your kids are already gone uh, and they're not saved yet, hey, listen, don't even worry about it. God's got your back. You prayed. You've poured into their lives, and God's going to do it. Absolutely, totally, completely, God's going to do it. We don't know when, but God is going to do it. And maybe sometimes it happens when you least expect it, but uh, God's got your back. God's heard your prayer, and God has a way of bringing people to a place of repentance, and that includes your child also, all right, so the second theme, discipline of children. Our job as parents is to train our children to walk out the door. That's what we train them for. We train them to walk out the door. Here is one, the picture. One day, they're going to walk out the door as an adult, uh, literally leaving behind um, your um, your ability to, at that point to dictate their lives as you have up until that point. So they're going to walk out the door. Either they're going to go to college, uh, they're coming back home, of course, uh, staying and uh, being there until they get married or go off in wherever they're going. But at some point, um, you're not going to have the influence over their life that you do now. And for those of you with small kids, let me just tell you, I mean, it happens overnight. The next thing you know, you've got a child right now of uh, 10 years old, and the next thing you know, they're going to be walking out the door. And you're going to be like, Whoa, wait a minute, I want to I go back to, no, we can't go back. So we do everything we can to instill within them principles of godly character. We bring them to church, Amen. We bring them to church. I, I just recently heard about one state contemplating or someone contemplating a law that kids could come to the school and report their, it was in California, no wonder. All right, so anyway, uh, report their parents um, for making them go to church as if that is some measure of abuse for them encouraging or telling them they got to go to church. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I wasn't given a choice. They just said, you're going. And uh, my dad didn't go, but one day he was there and mom was ready to go. And he said, son, you need to get out there and get in that car. And uh, 
So I, he was a big guy. I went out there and got in that car and um, listened to my dad, even though he wasn't safe. He knew enough that I needed to be in church, whether I wanted to or not. So we trained them for the day. They're going to walk out the door and practice, hopefully, biblical principles and how to succeed in life. How to succeed in life. The last thing you want your kids to do after they walk out the door is come back through the door, right? Say, hey, it's just not working out out there. Can I live here? And can you, uh, you know, can we just pick up when I was like 16? You made my meals, you, you, you know, you, uh, you washed my clothes and, and all that. And you gave me allowance. Can we just start back? And you're like, uh, no, the same door you just walked back through is the same door you need to turn around and go back the other way. So, uh, parents, let me say to you, uh, my kids are out the door now, and uh, I, at times, want to speak into their life. I want to say, hey, I need to talk to you guys. And uh, I did this several years ago. I was trying to mend some things, and, and I discovered they weren't listening to me. Can you believe that? I, I'm still, I'm shocked a little bit, but I'm telling them what to do, what is, I think, the godly thing to do, and they are not listening to me. It got me a little riled up, but I realized they don't have to listen to me anymore. So now uh, I speak into their life only with permission, and it's a whole new thing, but that's the way it is. They're grown, and, and we've done our job, and so now they're, they're going to go make their own way. And by the grace of God, thank God, they're, they're doing well. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 3. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice. We want our children to go out and love wisdom, but a companion... And here is, a, here is a repeat of uh, the teachers to the young men of Israel. Here's a repeat of the admonition that throughout Proverbs is mentioned. But a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. A companion of harlots wastes his wealth. And so here is a, a repeat of chapter 5, 6, and 7 where I mean the writer of Proverbs is coming down on these future leaders, men, saying, hey, your life is going to be reduced to a crust of bread if you get involved with immoral women. And so here he is again, admonishing men, don't be a companion. If you're going to be a leader, don't be a companion of harlots or women that give themselves over to you when they should not, whether they are married or not married. But a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. And so we go to self-control. We go to self-control. This is a fruit of the Spirit. I didn't add this to the notes, but self-control is, uh, is almost a forgotten fruit of the Spirit. A lot of people, when they go to, quote, the fruit of the Spirit, a lot of them, this one doesn't even click or come into their mind. But let's read it. Um, Galatians chapter 5, 22, 
but the fruit of the Spirit, everybody knows the first one. What is it? Love. Every, are you awake still? All right, so uh, check your neighbor. Uh, the first one is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then the last one is what? Self-control. Self-control. By the Spirit of God, we, we bring self-control, ourself under control, really, is what it is saying. We bring ourself under control. We bring our anger under control. We're going to talk about that. We bring our anger under control. We bring our response under control. We bring our emotions under control. And so everything about us is to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, which is helps us to self-control or control ourselves. All right, Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool vents all his feelings. A fool vents all his feelings. Whatever he's feeling, he'll just tell it, tell it to everybody, regardless of whether it hurts somebody, is negative, whatever, just vents his feelings. But a wise man holds those feelings back as far as being dumped out on everybody around them. All right, so a fool vents his feelings, a wise man holds them back. All right, the next paragraph, and it's on the screen, the loss of control here is habitual. The man is branded a fool whenever feelings, emotion, attitude, gripe or insult wells up within him, he lets it erupt. His responses to any conversation or social setting are predictable. They don't hold back, all right? So if you've got uh, wonderful red hair, which is, you know, great, uh, don't ever blame your red hair on your anger, all right? So uh, that's for your beauty, not your, your excuse for anger. So we don't allow ourselves to just erupt on others. But I would have to say that, uh, let, me, let me just say, I'm going to raise my hand first. How many of you have ever done that uh, along with me? You have just didn't control your emotions. You, you allowed yourself to get upset and you spewed out things uh, or attitude, words that you should not have said. Well, okay, we're in the right crowd. Boy, you guys need prayer. All right, so anyway, I was just kidding about me. All right, so I just wanted to see your hand. All right, wow. All right, the loss of control. Um, the loss of control. Boy, I, I watched a clip or two, clip or two of the Supreme Court um, process today, and I was like, wow, this woman has serious control. I mean, uh, as I listened and people were prodding, pro, uh, poking and, you know, digging around and trying to get to what they wanted to hear and the poise and the uh, intellect and the self-control was absolutely amazing. And I just thought to myself, uh, I think women are probably better at this because uh, I, I could just see a man sitting there erupting a little bit. Um, uh, I think just overall, maybe you women are just, 
you got so many things that are better than us men. But anyway, uh, don't get carried away. We got good things too, all right? So the wise person may feel all sorts of emotions and sense their expression bubbling to the tip of the tongue. But he or she has the sense, poise, discipline to strifle those expressions. All right. Okay. So good for you ladies. All right. And God help us men. Saying, oh, I like this. This is a great statement. All right. Let me read it. Saying too little has rarely ever led you or me into trouble. We said too little. Hardly said that much at all. Saying too much has done so time after time and always with some loss of credibility, influence, or even self-respect. So God, please help all of us men. Help me. Um, you know, dear God, we look, hindsight is 2020. Everybody knows that, right? You look back, you reevaluate things behind you. You can't necessarily change um, that behind you, but 2020 looks back and you get it. It comes sharply into focus and you can change the, maybe the fruit of that as you go back, and, like I said earlier, uh, asking forgiveness uh, of somebody or something and, and dealing with, if you possibly can, what's in the rearview mirror of your life. And uh, I think we should. Retribution is a spiritual uh, process. It is a spiritual principle. Retribution uh, or restitution, not retribution, but restitution. <laughs> All right. And uh, that means... That means when you get saved, you will want to pay people off that you owe money to. Okay, so, you know, you're saved here tonight, and maybe right now somebody is like, oh, my Lord, I just thought of somebody I owe money to. Wow, I wish I'd skip this night. All right, so anyway, uh, no, you don't want to skip, all right? If you owe money to somebody and you've forgotten it, you need to remember it because they haven't, I will assure you, all right? So um, anyway, let's move on. Proverbs chapter 29, still talking about self-control. Verse 20, do you see a man hasty in his words? Um, there is more hope for a fool than for him. All right, and we've all, we've all probably done this, but we're talking to someone and we're talking to them and we're looking at them as if we are listening to them. But we're not listening. We are thinking about what we are going to say next. Has anybody ever done that? Uh, and you're talking and you're like, you can't wait for them to stop. So you can talk. And uh, you're already ready to go as, as quickly as they will shut down and uh, so you can really say something important. It's called conversational narcissism, all right? It's, uh, and, and I, I've done it. Uh, God help us all. You know, we're talking, and uh, somebody will say something, and something <clears throat> jumps into my mind that uh, that conversation or what they said reminded me of, and it's a bigger, better Thing than what they've said, and, and instead of just holding back, 
How many times did I just let go? And uh, because we're in conversation, and we were talking about this in the green room, I don't know, a year or so ago, and uh, we were talking about it. One of the staff members uh, said something, and another person at the table said, hey, that reminds me. And he, and he started saying something, and we're like, wow, you know, um, this is conversational narcissism. I think really what he said was more, uh, more powerful than yours or more uh, incredible than what you share. But sometimes we just need to hold it back, and everybody says, amen. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man, anger, stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. Anger is a fire, James said. Anger is a fire that we let loose in our life and the lives of others. So that is why, and we'll read you the scripture in a moment, that is why we are to deal with anger quickly. And we are anybody you're angry at right now. Think about it, anybody in this room you're angry about. After service, come to the altar, take communion. Is it there? Yes. Take communion and then go get them, all right? And say, I need to ask your forgiveness. You know, I've, I've been upset and uh, don't go into all why you've been upset. You hurt me. You did this. No. You just need to say, forgive me. I love you and I, uh, I want a relationship with you, all right? So anger stirs up a fire. If we don't deal with it, it will burn in our lives and devastate the moral character of our lives, all right? He stirs up, an angry man stirs up strife. All right, Genesis chapter four, verse five. Uh, the first mention of anger, but he did not respect God, Cain, and his offering. All right, uh, for those of you that don't know, God told Cain and Abel to bring an offering. Cain brought, he was a herdsman, he brought uh, 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 a farmer and he brought up the fruit of the land. Uh, Abel was a rancher, he brought uh, the animals of that uh, for sacrifice. And God did not respect Cain and his offering. Why? It seemed unfair. No, obviously God had already told them what was a proper sacrifice, all right? It wouldn't have been really fair if God had not already explained to them what they should bring to him in sacrifice. Cain chooses to do what he wants to do. Abel obeyed God. And so God said, Cain, uh, it's your sacrifice is unacceptable. And Cain, the Bible says, was not just angry. He was not just angry. He was very, very angry. When's the last time you've been very angry at someone? And Cain was very angry. He was, I mean, he was beside himself. Who was he angry at? No doubt, he was angry at God. Pride caused him to not humble himself and say, God, forgive me, uh, I'll go right now and bring the proper sacrifice. No, he was mad at God, and pride prevented him 
from going and humbling himself. He was also mad at his brother Abel. And since he couldn't take his anger out on God and he did not deal with it, if you don't deal with anger, you're liable to hurt somebody, all right? If you don't deal with anger in your life, you're going to hurt you and you're going to hurt other people. So Cain got very angry. He did not respond. God said to him, Cain, why the, why the countenance? All you got to do is do right and you will feel right. All you got to do is do right and you will feel right. How many of you know that still goes for us? If we do right, we'll feel right. Amen? If we do right, we'll feel right. And still, even with this admonition from God, still Cain is so angry, he lets it boil over, and he's out in the field with his brother Abel, and he rises up and kills him, and of course, I mean, devastates the first family, Adam and Eve, uh, Abel and Cain, and uh, the result of, of what Cain endured after that and his family and his generations to follow. Uh, his countenance fail. But God said, all you got to do, do right. So I challenge you tonight, do right by others. Do right by them. Humble yourself. Don't ever, it's okay to get angry. It's a normal emotion um, but typically, we are to get angry at what somebody else is going through. Uh, typically, it's a measure of selfishness if we get angry about what somebody's done to us. But regardless, we do not allow it to stay. Say amen. All right. And then those of you that are single ladies, here it is for you, a verse. Proverbs chapter 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man, don't go out on dates. That's what it says. All right. So it says, do not go with them. Uh, I'm, you know, we use that phrase, I'm going out with them, or I'm going with them. Nope. Don't go out with an angry man. The first time you're somewhere with an angry man, and they blow it, and they get mad at somebody, or they're already mad at somebody, and they won't relent, they won't change, they won't humble themselves, then when they drop you off, just go into your house and say, that will be the last time. Uh, check them off, all right? And then Ephesians chapter 4, 26. Be, oh, I feel something. I feel somebody saying, no, no. I want to give them a chance, another chance. I feel somebody pushing back against that. I want to, uh, God can touch their lives. Yes, he can. You know, without you in the picture. God can touch their lives, all right? So let God touch their lives. Bring them back whole, all right? Let God do his work, and then you say, come back and see me when that anger problem is gone, all right? So get filled with the Holy Ghost. Go to a men's, you know, start tithing, and uh, get yourself under mentorship, and get rid of that anger. Ephesians chapter 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Deal with it quickly. Deal with it. Throw it out of your life. Forgive. Let go. And uh, God will do incredible things in your life. Now, back to the subject of discipline. And, of course, anger goes right along. Excuse me a minute. Anger goes right along with uh, this whole thing of discipline because if you have children, 
If you're a parent with kids in the home, you're going to get angry, all right? It's just a given. Probably going to get angry, I should say. Maybe you're a saint already and never have gotten angry. But uh, most parents kind of lose it at times. And especially during this COVID, when you are homeschooling, you're not, I know you brought paddling back to school because you're homeschooling. And so uh, there's nothing wrong with discipline, loving discipline, scriptural discipline. But you get angry. But you got to deal with it. You got to go to your child. You got to say, please forgive me, or if you need to, or say, honey, I love you, and reaffirm them because anger pushes people away. All right. All right. So, Proverbs chapter 29, 15 the rod and rebuke give wisdom. The rod and the rebuke gives wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. A child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. Wisdom is gained in many ways for a child by listening to wise parents, teachers. Uh, That's why we need to have our children around good influence, not bad influence. Uh, I was uh, so happy. Alice and I, we had our first home. Um, I oversaw the building of it pretty much, and um, it was uh, not that big. And when we had the third child, uh, we had two girls in one room. One was about, I don't know, four or five. The other one was, uh, you know, younger. And uh, the older one, she loved her sister, but her room, her, her space, she kept giving her less and less space. And almost she was out in the hallway when we intervened. And uh, so we had to move by a little bit bigger house. And uh, so uh, we did, but we had good neighbors, uh, uh, right next to us, moved in a couple where uh, I went to school, college with her, and um, just a wonderful family. But on the other side, was a good family too. But they had two boys, and our son went out to play ball with them the very first time. And he got out there, and they were using bad language and um, saying some things. And he just, I mean, walked away, came in the house, and like, I'm not playing with them anymore. And I was trying, no, you, you need to, you know, be friends. Nope, not playing with them anymore. And I don't know if he ever played with them again. Um, they were, at that point, bad influence on his life. And uh, he didn't want anything to do with them at that point. And we learn by listening, by fearing God, which is the beginning of wisdom, by observing how good and bad conduct um, can be rewarded. Now, if you're, you're a stoop person and you're looking at other people and what they're doing, you're going to learn how to do some good things. But there's also, when you are observing um, people in your life, there's also some things you're going to learn not to do. The former pastor that I work with, great guy, love him. Um, and uh, He's a wonderful, wonderful man that I, I got to spend 10 and a half years with. I learned a lot, a whole lot of good things to do. Uh, he helped bring discipline into my life. Um, when I got there, uh, I had not been taught the principles of being on time growing up. And so when I got there, he was big time into Showing up on time, starting on time, big, big time. And uh, 
So he started really bringing discipline to my life. And um, so he told me, I was in charge of the ushers. We only had about 90 people. I was in charge of the ushers as well as the youth pastor, as well as the secretary and the receptionist and the yard man and, and uh, part-time cleaner of commodes. But uh, anyway, he told me, I want you to have the ushers at the service or before the service getting ready to serve 30 minutes ahead of time. And I'm like, we only got like 90 people. We need the ushers there 30 minutes. What are they going to do? And uh, I didn't really think that much of being on time. Uh, I showed up when I kind of got good and ready to show up. And I mean, quickly, he's like, no, no, no. We start on time. I mean, Sunday morning, I don't care if there was 10 people there. I mean, hit the music, we're going. And uh, we're, we're gonna start on time. And he instilled within me such incredible principles of starting on time, always being on time. Now, uh, I pray for me because I almost freak out if we're running late to go somewhere. And uh, sometimes I have driven a little too fast. But, uh, but God forgave me, and so it's none of your business. But, uh, and so, but um, being on time is vitally important. Where did I learn that? I didn't learn it from my parents. I learned it from him. I learned a whole lot of other things from him. But then I learned some things not to do. And I'd see him on occasion do things, and I'd see the bad fruit, or a person would get upset, and I'd look at it and think, okay, uh, oh, wow, this is what he said, this is what he did. Oh, don't do that. And so you learn from people good things to do, and you learn from people things you don't, shouldn't do, all right? Okay, so uh, those things you learn growing up from your parents' parents, let them learn a whole lot more of what to do than what not to do. Say amen there, all right? Learn a whole lot more. They want to learn a whole lot more what to do than what not to do. In verse 15, a child left to himself, literally sent away. Remember that door they're going to walk through one day? Well, if we have left them to themselves and we let them stay in their room at night and watch television, not come out, eat with the family, not come out and converse and talk and in, interact, uh, but they're just there by themselves. Uh, they're in there playing video games. Listen, dear God, have mercy, people. Do you realize how many grown men are spending hours playing video games? Uh, dear Lord, we don't want our children to do that. We want them to grow up to be a success, to be principled, and to interact with people on a godly level and a, a, a worthy, valuable uh, level. Now, in Proverbs 29, verse 17, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. This is a verse directed at fathers. Fathers, I know that I know that all of us, you know, at uh, growing up with kids, we're like, ah, oh, you know, the wife, she handles this, she handles that. And the wife is left too much on her own to deal with the kids. Dads need to be involved. Amen, dads. This verse is addressed to the father. The imperative verb here, correct. 
is masculine, as are the pronouns you and yours. It is saying that the pain, the patience, the persistence of raising children, dads, will bring the highest possible payoff, the highest possible payoff, all right? And uh, wow, dads, be involved. Get off your phone. When you get home, if the kids are little, get out on the floor, uh, tussle, play, uh, play, what, what did I play? Um, buffalo, all right, so I played buffalo. I was the big buffalo. They rode the buffalo. I threw them off, all right, so, and uh, play something with them. Today, uh, earlier, Pastor Jason said that his son loved to play hide and seek, and uh, Love to play it. So he's playing with him. And I'm like, keep playing with him. Play with him a lot. Hide and seek and interact. Not just when they're little, though, but when they get bigger. Yes, play hide and seek when they are 16, Pastor Jason. Uh, and uh, they're a little harder to find at that point, okay? So don't forget, interact with them. Don't get on your phone. Don't, don't go somewhere else in your mind. Don't have the attitude, I worked all day and I can, I can cool in my jets right now. That is a typical response. That is a response that is not a good one, all right? Let's interact with our kids. Before you know it, they're walking out the door. Before you know it, they turn around and walk out the door the door and are gone as adults you had 18 years 19 whatever it was to instill within them everything you possibly could by example your words your actions your responses they needed to see consistency yes and when you failed which we all have you ask forgiveness, you bring it down to a place where then they see how to respond when they fail in life. And so they're going to remember things, they're going to remember things that will last with them 50 years later, 60, and even when they're old and on their deathbed, they may still be remembering things you said, you did, you didn't do, the lessons you taught them, and the impact it had. Incredible. I, you know, right now, it just popped into my mind. You know what just popped into my mind? When I was seven years old, eight years old, brushing my teeth, putting toothpaste, and I didn't know any better. I just covered the whole top of the toothbrush. And dad came in and he saw it. He said, son, you don't need that much. You just need a little bit. A little bit. And I'm six or seven, eight years old. And I hear that. It goes into my mind. Today, I brush my teeth with a little bit. Dear God, I didn't even think about it today. It, words, impacted me back then. And there have been times I put too much and I felt guilty. No, I'm kidding. All right, so he's like, 
Sorry, Dad. <laughs> okay. The words, the actions, the responses to failure, to everything, they're learning. The anger, we respond like God wants us to respond, get it out of our lives quickly. They see it. Finances, the way we spend our money, they see it. Our church attendance, they see it. Everything's making an impact on their lives. And God, even when we fail, is gracious to answer our prayers, but how much better to do it God's way. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, dear God, have mercy. I ask you, help every parent in this place with kids at home, with kids that are gone. I, I pray no anxiousness enter their heart or any failures that they may be thinking of right now. I, I just pray, the Lord God, that they would clearly understand their, power, their prayers are powerful, and we serve a powerful God, and He is able to do incredible things. So, Lord, I pray for children that are away from you. I, I ask you, bring them home spiritually. Bring them back to their roots. The words that have been said, God, the Word of God they have heard, Lord, Bring it to fruit in their lives in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, please. If you're in this building and you don't know Christ, maybe you're a parent. If you're a parent and you don't know Christ, you desperately need to get your life right with God because what you're doing as a parent is too important. You're raising future men and women, leaders, who will then have their own families and generations will follow if the Lord tarries. And your input into their lives will be vital and impactful. So across this building, if you don't have no Christ, you need Christ, you need forgiveness, lift your hand high. Do it now. Let me pray for you quickly. Yes, God bless you. Others, just lift your hand high. Anybody else? Quickly, just lift it up. You need prayer. You need to get right with God. Anybody else in this building? Dear Jesus, stand with us, please. Everyone all over the building, stand with us, please. Father, touch those online, minister to their lives, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Praise God forever. Well, self-control would have helped me to pay more attention to the clock and not go over, all right? But uh, anyway, we're going to open these altars. If you need prayer, you raise your hand. You need to get right with God. Let me challenge you to come to this altar. And if you're here and you need a healing, there's some other need in your life, whatever it is. Maybe something the Spirit applied to your life tonight in such a way that you need God to help you. All right? You have blown it in some areas. God can turn it around. So whatever it is, you need prayer, come to this altar. Let's pray before you leave this building. Pastor John, lead us, if you will, please. Jesus, my God. And I will Jesus, Jesus, my Jesus, my God.
is going to be here to serve communion. Would you slip your hand in this direction, Father? For those in this altar, whatever the need is, I pray, God, you would intervene in their lives. God, again, I pray for every parent. God, bless them. Direct their footsteps. God, empower them by your Holy Spirit. Lord God Almighty, do a work of grace and mercy for healing, physical Lord, financial, marital, God, whatever the need is, God, you are more than the answer. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. God bless you richly as you slip out. Have a great night. God bless you. Jesus, my God. Oh, Rabbi, Jesus.